Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure if you can do this homeschool thing. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama looking for connection and encouragement, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmedLife.com, and I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey. So let's turn our homeschool challenges into our homeschool charms. Today, I get to introduce you to Nicole Natras. Nicole is a homeschooling mother, an advocate for maternal mental health, and has been blessed to have two careers, one as a professional actor and writer, as well as a certified addiction counselor. She's creator and designer of four creative journaling programs that focus on self-care and mental awareness. She's part of the Journal Council for the International Association for Journal Writing, and is a contributing author of two new books, Transformational Journaling for Coaches and Clients and The Great Book of Journaling. In all the work she does, she values creating environments where tender-hearted conversations can be held and where trauma-informed lens leads the way. During COVID-19, she was compelled to write her first book, Just the Two of Us, A Soft Place for Tender Hearts to Land, a new book on how to use journaling with children to process stress, anxiety, and trauma. Welcome, Nicole. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. I am very curious about your background. You are a homeschool mom. You've got a couple of different careers that sound to me like kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, Very interesting world. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, have to be totally uh, upfront and say that I I didn't come into, I was always aware of homeschooling, um, but I didn't come into the homeschooling world saying, yes, let's homeschool. Um, We came into the homeschooling world primarily um, in kindergarten. I have one one son and we came into homeschooling in kindergarten um, because uh, we had all been in a car accident mm. um, that was very traumatic car accident that happened in early September. And um, my son, basically around the time that school was starting again for kindergarten. Um, oh, I should preface this by saying the car accident happened a uh, day after his first ever day of preschool. Mm. And I, I was really like, you know, we didn't do daycare, we didn't do any of that. So preschool was actually, you know, was like a a two mornings a week, I think. And it was a really big deal for him, because it was the first time that he had been separated from, from us. Mm -hmm. And so the car accident happened the next morning. Mm, Wow. And after that, there was an association that was made, and it didn't become clear right away. Um, But because I have a background uh, as an as a counselor, I studied trauma, uh, working in a treatment center with women in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. Um, I could see some trauma behavior coming Mm up. And so we we worked through it. We got a play therapist. We were working through it. Our whole family uh, obviously went through a lot. Um, And um, at the end of that or at the beginning of that school year, um, unfortunately, um, even though we had a note from our doctor and everything saying, 
and from our play therapist saying that our son would benefit from a very slow integration into kindergarten. Um, that was the year that it was mandated for five days a week of kindergarten, right? Like full days. And even though it was recommended that we just take time and we were still doing play therapy a couple of times a week, the kindergarten teacher was so um, fixed and rigid that, um, and my son was having sound triggers because sound became a big trigger for him and all of it that we just decided no. So I think we lasted until October <laughs> and then we said no. And so really our, our homeschool experience, we're lucky that we live in, in the province of British Columbia where we have the option of um, doing kind of a hybrid of homeschool and also having the option of going, if you like, to a brick and mortar school for half day a week or one day a week. Um, so that's how it began. My husband and I were both self-employed. We found ourselves, you know, all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're doing homeschool, right? So this is like a lot of people's experiences last year, actually. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry that your family had that experience. That is a very very big experience especially for your son to associate his world in that context yeah. and and my experience as well with many many people's stories is that we unconventionally come to homeschooling the occasional person tells me in a very a traditional way but everybody has these really I was never intending to do it by the way me too <laughs> but that yeah. Was me too. and yeah I mean I have lots yeah. of friends who are like no we knew right away we mm. were going to homeschool or, or more, a, a lot of my friends are also unschoolers. So, yep. you know, I mean, and then you kind of know like, no, we're going to unschool. But for us, it was a big change. Yeah. Um, you know, all of a sudden we had to look at how we're going to juggle both being self-employed and work and, and do homeschool. And we were lucky. We landed in a great program with a great teacher. And so we started there in kindergarten and we went kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three, and what was beautiful about that was that we were actually able to be in the classroom with our son too, because he had a lot of anxiety and trauma around being left alone at school when we weren't there. And we had amazing, amazing teachers mm -hmm. who supported our family. And by, I think by grade two, we were sitting outside the classroom. So at first we were in the class with him, you know, and for a long time. And then eventually we were outside of the classroom. And again, the great thing about our homeschool community is that we had a parent room as well. So then we, we eventually ended up in the parent room. And then eventually, you know, on those school days, which I think were two mornings a week at that time, we could actually leave the school. But that, that, took, almost, yeah. that took almost four years until he felt safe enough to, you know, have mm -hmm. that. So, so was how it, old is he now? He's 12. 12. And we did um, one, we did two years of public school. Yeah. He really wanted to go to school in grade four. And um, we attempted it. And there was no way that it was just too soon. And so we, he went to public school in grade five. And then, um, yeah, for grade five. So, and now we're back homeschooling again. 
So I mean, for all the homeschool moms or all the parents really this last year that had to go into this forced home learning scenario, I wouldn't call it homeschooling per se, because there's not necessarily a choice in how people are engaging their child's education. They were mostly just doing a whole lot of screen time with teachers online doing online stuff. And even though it's still at home and it definitely is juggling and I don't discount the incredible effort that people had to put in, I felt incredibly and compassionate towards them. Uh, I yes. felt, frankly, I kind of almost felt distressed for them because I thought, geez, this is ginormous for people. But for me, me, it wasn't because I actually engage the education the way that I choose. And I'm very focused in on my kids. We already have this routine. But what would you say for advice for all those parents that have had to bring their kids home this year and work? Well, I, I felt the same way that you did. You know, my heart just went out to folks because because a lot, you know, there's so many um, misunderstandings and misconceptions about what homeschool is. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, now we're homeschooling. But a big piece for me about homeschooling is community. And, Mm -hmm. and so um, here we were not able to connect with our community, right? Like a lot of our homeschooling stuff, our our work was done within uh, an hour and a half in the morning, right? And then we would go out on field trips with our homeschooling community, or we'd say, you know, to six or seven different homeschooling families, let's all get together and go to the beach for the whole day, right? So a lot of that is education. And all of a sudden with COVID-19 and the social distancing and not being able to gather, that's gone. Right. So for me, I really feel like um, it's not a, a great, it's not a true depiction for me of what homeschool is for that reason. Um, because especially for us, because I have an only child, so community for me and for him, he's very social, Mm -hmm. um, has been so, so hard, right? It really has. This is the first time ever that I think people can fairly ask us what about socialization? (laughs) Because even we homeschool parents that have been around for a long time are going, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah. it's the first year that they can fairly ask that. Because just like you said, we aren't usually at home all the time. We're that's- not isolated like we have been. And so that's been the hardest thing. And my heart goes out to everyone, you know. Yeah. Um, for our kids not to be able to socialize and see each other is is so, so big, right? And especially for only kids. I mean, it's been a real challenge for my son, right? And we were able to at first do the social distancing playdates and then all of a sudden that was gone right and 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 that we're just slowly getting back into that but that's a big part of my for me um my role as a homeschooling parent is to go okay what what are we doing not necessarily planning extracurricular activities but who 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 in the community are we connecting with right mm-hmm. yep and trying and to being create able a community to which is a real challenge this year. So are there certain things that you've learned to do? I know for myself, I have, um, I had enough challenge in my childhood that I have learned to shift when I've had to. And so one of the ways that I've learned are counterproductive for me is to actually focus on the challenge and say, this is so hard and I don't like this. So instead I tell myself, okay, it is what it is. What are you going to do? And so for me, it was creating this routine at home throughout the day that although my oldest daughter at home said, this feels like Groundhog Day, mom. And I I appreciate that because it did for literally everyone. 
but um, also create routines of things that I actually want to include in the day. And there was a whole lot more outdoor time. And I've already had a lot of outdoor time. Outdoor time, I frankly, I'm one of those people that will schedule the screen time. So it actually feels like it's at a different, a specific time of the day, instead of, you know, trying to create whatever I could to include in the day to make it feel like it's not Groundhog Day. Yeah. For sure. I'm, I'm of the same mindset in regards to the screen time, we kind of schedule it in. And, you know, I had to shift and adapt to some things that I didn't necessarily like, you know, with kids messenger, I didn't really, you know, I have been just, that's been a hands off zone for for us. And I had to say, I had to say yes to it for a period of time. Because really, honestly, that was the only social socialization that my son was getting. And it ended up being a huge learning point because it was all about, well, how do we talk to people? And it was actually talking about consent. Like how many times are you like calling that person and they're not answering and, you know, like about boundaries. And we ended up having this conversation because it was a whole new learning curve for him too. All of a sudden he's talking to his friends in a different way. And, Mm -hmm. and so COVID-19 and homeschooling, I've had to adapt definitely (laughs) to to things that I don't necessarily agree with, you know, I I wouldn't normally be doing, you know? Um, Yeah. The other piece is spending more time baking, spending more, of course, you know, doing all that, spending more time um, looking at all the art stuff that was released online just like mo williams did a whole series it was amazing it was amazing that i go wow we have access to things all across the world now that we never had before that is amazing and he was so generous and kind and my son did the whole program so like accessing that kind of thing also my friend did a yoga series from her house right Right. so um, we would do that you know not that my son was we sort of into it, but mostly into like watching everybody else. Right. But just different opportunities for sure. Um, you know, and, and enjoying our neighborhood more taking the time every day. Like we do two walks a day. Um, I'm getting a little bored of the same walks. I have to admit, (laughs) um, (laughs) but you know, those are important things, right? Yeah, it's, it's been uh, advantageous in some ways, certainly, mm-hmm. and I'm sure from your, your experience in trauma background, in mm-hmm. addictions counseling, that you are seeing maybe a little bit more closely, that this year also we've had all these layers of, mm-hmm. I would say that the way that we anesthetized ourselves before this year, the way we allowed ourselves to just enjoy and appreciate life, and maybe be distracted by the internal challenges that we had, we can can't do as much distracting this year. There's layers that are peeled back. And so if people mm-hmm. have had challenges before, they are mm-hmm. experiencing it in a whole new way. And I yeah. would say that I say that in an indirect way, as though those people are out there somewhere, but they're us. They're all of us. Mm-hmm. We've all had yeah. internal challenges in some way. Yeah. So I'm curious on your experience, how it has played out this year. <laughs> it was funny. As soon as you were talking, the first thing I thought was I swore this year. You swore uh, for in, the first time this year? Yeah. Like, no, really? and not for the first time no, in my no. life, but for the, first, <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in front of my child this year. Okay. And yes. it's been a really interesting, um, just, you know, we were stressed out and just dealing with yeah. all kinds of stuff that was, that was going on. 
Um, and I remember swearing and just being mortified, of course. So we've had a conversation about that. Right. Um, we've had conversations about how people's fuses are shorter. Yes, they are. All that, you know, even conversations about, you know, because everyone's talking about a weight gain and stuff. Kids hear about this kind of stuff, right? And my son just said the other day, you know, it's normal for people have to have gained a little bit of weight during the pandemic. And I'm like, that's right. That's normal. You know, we, we have to work really hard now to um, exercise. And sometimes we've had a conversation now about emotional eating. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, right. Lots it, of conversations we haven't real, had before. Yeah. And and so lots of conversations we haven't had lots of humbling moments for myself as a parent. Um, You know, again, my husband's juggling self-employment and, and, and he's, he's in the podcast world and his, his career just took off during COVID and mine was here. I was in the middle of being asked to write a book. Um, And so we were juggling all these things and homeschooling, right? homeschooling a child who's very aware and sensitive. Um, He has, you know, a lot of sensory uh, issues. And so he's super, super sensitive at a, at a time in the world um, where it's so intense and there's so much going on, but we also have to protect, you know, to limit what's coming in to a certain extent. So good way to approach it too. Yeah. There has been so many internal challenges. And I'm certainly not proud of swearing this year. I've sworn a few times. Thank you um, for your vulnerability, by the way, because yeah. one thing that I want to make sure is, and, and I, I'll be honest, I've sworn before this year. <laughs> There's no <laughs> question. And it's not my go-to, mind you. No. And at, frankly, mm-hmm. in homeschooling, if anything, I saw a decline in my inappropriate behavior or the ways that I didn't want to react and yet also homeschooling gave me a great opportunity to address all the internal work that yeah. I have had to address. But what would you say um, you have done in order to address the challenges that you have had? Hmm. Journaling for sure is my go-to self-care, like self-care, self-care, self-care. And, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, because I'm a counselor, I believe in receiving uh, counseling help. So I have a counselor that I can talk to the big, exciting, beautiful pieces. One of my counselors actually works at a farm here on the Island. We do equine therapy. So my son's involved in that I'm involved in that, but journaling for me is my go-to mm. because I need some place where I can, you know, I, I call it a soft place to land mm-hmm. where I can dump what's going on for me. Um, and taking that 90 second pause. Mindful moment. Right? You mean? Yeah. Like a pause of just like the 90 seconds. I just read this somewhere. 90 second pause is the difference between a reaction and a response. Mm, yes. And I actually think in our culture and I'm, I'm being general that we are uncomfortable with pauses. Oh, I yeah. notice it in business meetings. I've noticed it in my career as a theater artist. People, we want answers like right now, like what's your answer going to be? And I'm actually really practicing the pause because it actually gives us time to digest, to filter through what are all the thoughts that Nicole is going through right now, right? 
Like when I'm in the middle of a homeschooling lesson, it's like, I'm trying to get this done. And I start to notice like my own impatience, like I've got to do this. I've got a podcast at 1030. I've got to do this. So I'm looking at the dishes. You know, my mind is like that, right? So it's, it is, as you say, it's an opportunity to really tune into myself and go, okay, Nicole, I hear you. I see you. I'm noticing what's going on. Let's slow down the train a little bit. Let's back up this train. Yeah. What do you need underneath that? What is the, what is the thing that isn't addressed? Mm -hmm. Because I am totally okay with your dishes not being done right now. And I can guarantee you there are dishes on my counter right now as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's a whole interesting thing. Like if I have a journal and all these thoughts are going down while I'm being, I'm talking to my son doing a lesson, I'm just like jotting down all these things. Like I have to do this, I have to do this, this. And then as soon as I can jot it down, it's like part of me can let it go. And I go, okay, there's going to be time for that. So tell me about your book, which came first, the journaling aspect of your business or the book that you wrote? Good question. Well, um, I always started, I started journaling since I was a kid, like grade five. I love journaling. And after our car, it's actually connected to the car accident because after our car accident, um, because I journal a lot, uh, and, and my son was going through stuff, I would open my big journal, which was a blank eight by 10 journal. And I would start doing stuff, you know, more like an art journal. Um, but just drawing out feelings and playing with colors and he would come and sit next to me. And that's how we processed the car accident. We started this journal processing together, um, where we would bring out the journal. It came out, came with us on family trips to restaurants, to grandparents' house. But we started to use it as a soft place to land together. And so we used it throughout that healing process. And then when COVID-19 hit, that for me was when I saw all the kids with anxiety around, um, you know, germs, around seeing playgrounds close. And I started to worry about the stress and the anxiety of our kids. Um, I think right now I've read a few books on the psychology of pandemics. We're not going to know the psychological effects of this until years to come. And so in March, I had that idea. Maybe it's time for me to write this book about journaling and how we can help our children process stress, worry, and trauma using creative journaling. And for me, it's self-care, right? It's self-care, family care. And so I started writing it crazily during early early COVID-19. I got in touch with a publisher in New York that I had talked to about four years earlier that I had originally pitched her the idea. And she said, now Nicole is the time. And I thought, really? (laughs) I'm in the middle of homeschooling. I'm, I'm stressed out myself and she said yeah and so I wrote I wrote the first draft and we published it uh e published it in September 14th of 2020 and now actually I'm just going back through it um because I want to do a hard copy publication and it's called um just the two of us a soft place for tender hearts to land beautiful that's beautiful yeah when I was seven, I, as soon as I could start writing, I would journal as well. And I had nothing to say at that point. You know, I woke up, I made my bed, I brushed my teeth. That was part of my journal for years. Yeah. But there's something about putting your thoughts, your feelings on paper that mm-hmm. both help you really understand what are you really thinking? But yeah. the other element is 
I, and I don't know why this is the same thing with your discussion on mindful moments or that mm. 90 second pause. When we just let ourselves feel what we feel, it's almost like the feelings dissipate a little bit. The mm. intensity dissipates over the course of time. We get in touch with what is the underlying need under that thing, mm-hmm. or what is the thing that we're really struggling with under the, the initial feeling. And so the, whole process looks kind of like it looks like it shouldn't do anything just by sitting with our feelings or writing our feelings down but there's Mm -hmm. an unraveling like a little ball of yarn that's all messily put together and then gradually you're just pulling on that string and it slowly gradually unravels I love that I love that I love that ball of string you know I've actually said that I've drawn I've drawn that in my journal that ball of string and and the strings coming out because something happens when something comes out of our minds and we put it on the page when we pick up that pen or that crayon we're saying I'm I'm paying attention Uh, I matter my thoughts and my feelings matter and you know one of the things it's not just writing when I started this work um, with my son who was four he was four years old at the time of the car accident And so we would just sit on a cranky day, cranky, cranky, cranky day, open up the journal, you know, and we started exploring colors. He started exploring things on the page. And sooner, soon what ended up happening was when he was having those cranky days or he had nothing to do, he would bring out the book on his own. And what started to come out was pictures of the car accident. He, he literally car tires and he would describe what was happening and the sounds and, and all kinds of stuff. And that's when I realized this is really powerful and I wasn't instructing him. Mm -hmm. Like that's the big piece that I've learned around this is like, we want to constantly instruct and our kids are constantly given directions. And there's something that happens, like you're saying, it's a nonverbal pause that happens when we just take the time. Like I don't journal every day. I don't have time, but sometimes what I'll do is I'll sit down with my journal I liked it to be messy and I like to write a word down, right? Like surrender. I might write surrender and then I'm just doodling and just that act of doodling. Like we want to minimize it and say, well, that's what's that doodling. uh, I have a friend who's written her masters. She's an art therapist about doodling and how, when we doodle, it's actually a massage for the brain. Mm. It's like the, the equivalent of getting a physical full body massage. Love that. Right. So like these moments that we take are really about self-care and, and for our kids too. And so I've been you know, sharing this book and have had families write me back and say, we just keep it on our table, right? Like, and sometimes we wake up in the morning. I like to do that too. In the summertime, I like to have a big scrap of paper with like lots of stickers and markers and stuff. And we can just like sit in the morning and kind of, you know, just draw, just do. I wonder if, are are you familiar with Myers-Briggs personality profiling? Yes. Because there is an element um, that differentiates typically people with their processing, well, it's called J or P, the J or P of Myers-Briggs, either judging or processing. And 
and that I don't think that we're judging. It's really an accurate portrayal of what that means. But I, as a J, want to write everything down in the morning of what I'm going to do. I write in my journal. I write out my feelings. I write out my gratitudes. I write out my vision words. I write out what I'm going to do. Whereas a processor is more like, I can imagine that they would be more like to word write a word like surrender and decorate uh-huh. it with pretty colors and just kind of feel the feelings of that. Uh-huh. I'm I'm kind of wondering if that sounds like it would fit because, Uh you know, the processors that are in my family, the ones that just kind of want to flow with the day, they are the least likely to want to talk out their feelings. They're Uh not the um, external processors like I am. And my instinct in my homeschool mama retreat or in the way that I direct people to engage their internal world is naturally the way that works for me. And that would be write it all out or speak to a therapist or talk to a friend but mm-hmm. I know for the people that really are not external processors that doesn't actually that doesn't always work so maybe this approach that you're saying to just mm-hmm. sit mindfully or maybe to do art therapy maybe mm-hmm. that's an approach for those people yeah and it's just like you know picking a theme for the day I think I'm both I think I'm I've got a fair I, I think I did a similar test and I think I'm half and half somewhere there um, because I do both, but there, there is a sense of just like sometimes simplifying in a way, uh, not about details, you know, macro, micro, and, and sometimes just having a theme for the day. And then I can reflect on when I'm driving, ha- am I surrendering to this moment right now? Or I start to look in the world in my interactions or how I am of like, where's yes. the theme of this? Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. There's I call a different... those vision words. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, what's your vision word? What's the word that you relate to how you are going to engage the people that you are working yeah. with or the yeah. people that are like your partnership? If you have a partner, a really close friend or your children, or um, I say your creator or yourself, you know, yeah. all of these different vision words and even homeschooling, like, why are you homeschooling? What's your vision word for that? And for me, it's freedom. So then I say to myself, is what I'm doing right now, freedom. And so you're saying surrender. And and uh, someone yesterday had shared the word presence at their goal. And I just went, oh, you don't know that I'm about to take this word and use it for my children, that my Mm. relationship with my children is presence. And of course, I'm entirely pilfering this from someone that I was chatting with yesterday. But it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. word to engage your child or your children with. But choosing a word and asking yourself, just like you're saying throughout the day, is this really consistent with what I'm intending to do? Yeah, I I think there's also something about the self care piece when we're preparing ourselves to be the homeschool parent. For Mm -hmm. me, I've noticed over my experience here that I'm much better as a homeschool mom, when I'm able to get up, get up um, an hour earlier for me, it's like, you know, the artist way Julia Cameron's book used to say, I'm reading your morning. Yeah, do your morning pages. Um, uh, when my husband and I, he gets up super early, like four forty-five. we can get, and he wakes me up at five. We can have a conversation, like a quick 15 minutes. And then usually I have to dig into the work to, to work that is due before my son gets up. And if I can, within that working period, take 15 minutes for Nicole, where I can sit with my coffee, my tea, my breakfast without interruption with my journal and tune in to find out what I need, what I I can take care of. That is so, so key for me. 
Now I don't do that perfectly every day. Um, I also need that self-care time. I need to be able to wash my face, brush my teeth, comb my hair. Like these are basic things, but, but we can get so rushed up in the moment of like, well, I need to accomplish this. I need to accomplish this, right? That we can forget about that self-care, which is grounding and journaling for me is grounding. And then taking that time, you know, like on Sunday, I found lilacs on one of our walks and I put lilacs in my bathroom. You know, I'm privileged enough to have my own bathroom and I cleaned it up and I just put a new little picture there and some lilacs. Those kind of things like that, they fuel me as a homeschooling parent Mm -hmm. because I have a thing about making sure that I'm taking care of Nicole too. Absolutely. Right. Because we're givers. We're constantly right giving I'm, I give in my work um, as an artist I'm constantly outpouring so it's it's about having that balance and I don't I don't always achieve that balance but I have tools that I rely on when you know our lives shift out of balance what I've learned with journaling and I think journaling is such a powerful tool obviously as I've said it's something I've always done but what I've learned with journaling is the process of mindfulness, like we were saying, really helps me understand myself. It under, helps me understand my needs. It mm-hmm. helps me get a, a larger perspective on my emotional atmosphere because everybody's different. Everyone connects with the world differently, feels things differently, experiencing experiences things differently. But if I understand a little bit about what my, say, triggers are, for whether it's anxiety or anger or sadness or all the uncomfortable things, then I actually am able to back up a little bit, take, like you said, a pause or take a breath and ask myself, is what I'm feeling really true? Am I a hundred percent certain that it's true because someone else might not be experiencing life right now in this exact same context and real, you know, experiencing or receiving things the same way that I am right now. And is there a different way to reframe it? And Mm -hmm. I first heard about that through Dr. Amen, but I know that he isn't the originator of that, but that Mm -hmm. is something that has transformed all of my homeschool, but all of my life and Mm -hmm. really helps me to understand that just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean it's real or if it's, it doesn't reflect reality necessarily. It does reflect reality of my feelings, but it doesn't mean that what is happening in my feelings is necessarily true of my world. And that pause or that separation, mm-hmm. that, that shifts everything. It helps to simplify my life. It gives me more focus in my life. And it certainly influences how I engage the people in my world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, it's a loving thing to yourself, right? It's like, I'm curious about, I try to, I try to do that. I worked with a great theater director um, who always said that. And I love the way he spoke uh, so respectfully. Instead of challenging people, he would say, I'm curious about this. And I've started to do with my partner around like, I'm curious about what you mean about this, right? Rather than a, what uh, the heck uh, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. I'm curious about this. And then, you know, it's interesting how the person responds, right? It's like, yeah. Oh, well, someone's interested in me. I feel seen. I feel important. I, right? Like, yes, there's a different energy to that. And I think curiosity is something that I want more of in terms of my relationship in homeschooling. I want, you know, I think if we're curious, then that kind of is, is, um, 
contagious, maybe, you know, then our kids will start to be like, hey, mom's curious about this. I'm curious about this. Right. I mean, I think about the the times that we're living in now where we're constantly just fed information, 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 information. Where's the curiosity? Right. Like, I think we need I feel like I need to balance my life out a little bit more with more curiosity, less information, especially in relationships and especially in close relationships where on the outside, I think that my partner and I look actually quite similar in our values. And if you get close enough, you realize, whoa, we're actually opposites in a lot of ways. He is on time or 10 minutes early to everything he's ever, he's probably early to his birth. He was always (laughs) early and he married someone that was like, so that time that we agreed upon is a suggestion and you don't show up 10 minutes early to any event that's at someone's home although right now there's not a lot of events at anybody's home but you know you don't show up early because they'll be cursing you for showing up early anyways a very different place in that way but when I get curious about what is it that you're experiencing what is it you're thinking right now well he's Mm -hmm. thinking this is not respectful of somebody else's time or this is not respectful of their their world and i'm like uh ironically i also think this is not necessarily respectful of their time to show up early (laughs) but yeah but but that's the thing is that then we understand that maybe we have similar thoughts but also very different experiences and then there's an acceptance that can grow simply because you're getting curious, like you said. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, home, a big, just as we're talking now, like a big part of homeschooling is communication, right? Like how we communicate, how we communicate with our kids, how our kids communicate. And like, you know, I have a little Aries fireball, right? So fire too. So there's a, <laughs> that communication is key, right? Tone, um, Uh, also listening to where he's coming from what are his feelings you know dealing with big feelings all those kind of things and I think that's why I gravitate towards journaling because for me it's like I can lay my big feelings there I can take colors and just be like let's do it right there's no wrongs on there I'm not gonna you know offend anyone on the page and I think that there is some freedom in that exploration, right? And the, and the other piece that I want to say about it, if is that we need to treat whatever is on the page when kids are drawing or sharing or writing or anything, literally with a trauma-informed lens. And that means when we look at something our kids have done, it's as if their internal guts are on the page. And I learned this from an art therapist because we are conditioned, especially in schools, to judge. Kindergarten, I remember that first day, my son was drawing green, a green fire hydrant. And the teacher came over and said, no, fire hydrants are red, literally, right? We need to, to, to remember that when, when we use a journal, we're putting our internal out on the page. And then how do we treat that page? Mm. with care with tenderness you know we have a special place where we keep our journal that journal is private it's not something I'm I'm doing show and tell on like hey Teresa come over look at this great picture my son did Mm -mm. there's actually something really tender about it and so I think that's really really important because 
it, it, it does take a risk to, to write things out. It does mm-hmm. take a risk to draw and, and risk failure and mistakes and, and mm-hmm. all that. So right? how do we help encourage homeschool moms to journal? Like where, where can we insert that practice in our days? Kind of busy days. <laughs> yeah. I say two, two to eight minutes, Teresa. I don't ask myself anything else. Like I, I say in my workshops, I do a whole bunch of different courses. I've got an online course for creative journaling for self-care. I've got a creative self-care course for moms that's delivered to your inbox. But I say there are no journal police. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times I hear I don't have time to write. I don't know what to write. I don't write every day so that I can't, I can't do it. So yeah. I write maybe two to eight minutes, not every day. Perfect. Right. Like it's got to, it's got to be realistic. Yeah. And exactly. you know, for me as a homeschool mom, I'm juggling work, my husband's work, my son who has anxiety, um, has a disability with anxiety and homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it has to be accessible easy to fit into your schedule. And I say, have fun. Like it has to be something that is going to be enjoyable to you. Otherwise you're not going to be motivated to do it. I don't want to leave this conversation without asking you about your, I want to say alter ego, but it's like your alter career or your other career. You've got two things going on. So you're an actress as well as an author and an online course deliverer. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about that. Well, you know, acting was my first love. I went to theater school. I studied acting, graduated, started working as a professional actor for, I would say, 15 years in regional theaters, some film and TV and radio. Um, And now primarily I started writing my own plays. So I've written nine plays to date. And the first play I wrote was a one woman show about puberty uh, and I performed that for many years. And then the second show that I've written is called Mamahood Bursting into Light. And it's a show that talks about maternal mental health. Oh. It talks about postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. It talks about all that kind of stuff. Um, and now I'm writing a play called Suddenly 50, um, which is about me turning 50. So it seems like I only write about these milestones uh, for women. But yeah, I love I love performing in front of an audience. I don't do a lot of it now. You know, if I can do one to to three shows a year, I'm I'm you know, I life is full for me. But there's something really powerful about and that started with journaling, just writing down my ideas using index cards. Um, my show about motherhood literally was written in between, you know, avocado bits on the kitchen table and toddlerhood and messiness. Um, you know, I got my first professional commission to write a play while my son was still not sleeping through the night. So, you know, like you can't, it was real. (laughs) It's like the timing of it. Right. And, and it's actually really interesting because my, my show about motherhood, um, the story of my journey, uh, postpartum just got, is going to be published in an anthology called you are not alone. And it's part of the Canadian perinatal mental health collaborative. I'm really proud to be a part of it because we got support from an MP in Edmonton, who brought it up in the House of Commons recently to call um, all parties to agree for a national mental health strategy across Canada to support new moms, 
Man, you think that would have been done years ago. I worked nope. in postpartum um, as a nurse as well. And I've been there myself, the third child. Yep. I just felt low. And I remember my yep. husband, my physician husband saying to me, I think you should go talk to someone. And me thinking, yep. oh, I'm just tired. And he yep. said, let's go talk to somebody. And yep. it's definitely something that's not acknowledged and honored enough. No, and, and the, the reality, Teresa, now is, and the reason why they're pushing so much for it now is, can you imagine being a mom now in COVID yeah. and being so isolated and like just devastating, right? So, yeah, and, and also, you know, I'm talking in my show, I talk about postpartum PTSD, which is something that generally no one is speaking of, of all the birth trauma and lots of trauma right. that women go through yeah. that then they're left dealing with right, right. and I so was when you said that I thought you meant like the overwhelming sense of oh my goodness what do I do with this baby <laughs> what did life life just shifted dramatically I can't go to the store without all this big process yeah. that alone but you're talking about actually all of the the tangible traumas that happen even in the labor and delivery room or you know if you're home birthing or um what else and, would you say uh for black women the yeah. the, the black women facing uh huge huge amounts of racism uh indigenous women prejudice um black women are still the highest population of women to die in childbirth in canada in canada in the u.s yeah like so these are these are important things right that we we are actually trying to get a motion and a bill to say we need to address we need to address our maternal mental health because as mamas and fathers too, fathers can experience postpartum depression, mm-hmm. postpartum anxiety. We are the, the, the keepers of the nest, right? For our kids, which are our future, huge. You right? have your hands in so many different interesting things. I do. I actually realized that this morning when I sent you my bio, I was like, wow, I didn't mention the anthology. You know, I, 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 I've been really lucky. And during COVID, I, I was asked to write two chapters in two new books that are coming out in 2021. And one is on, on creative journaling with kids and parents, teaching parents how to use journaling with their kids. And then the other is using journaling with clients in recovery from uh, trauma and addiction. So wow. it's been a busy busy uh time it seems to always happen like that for me where you know all of a sudden I think I can't actually write these things I don't have any time same with homeschooling I can't do homeschooling I don't have any time and it's like you find time you change you shift you you think about it you you know even as we are almost nearing the end of our homeschool year we don't do homeschool in the summertime. Some folks do. Like I have friends who they do the same thing, you know, every single day. We don't. <laughs> um, but even looking at our homeschool year and, you know, submitting stuff and thinking like, okay, have we done enough? Right. I still have that. Have we done enough? And I go, I look at it and I go, Nicole, it's COVID-19. It's a pandemic. The fact that we showed up and we learned this and we learned this. And as my mom, who is a retired school teacher, you know, through the system, she's so supportive. And she said, you know what? He has learned so many other things. Our kids have learned so much this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah. 
even the coping mechanisms alone or having to grapple with that or watching their parents grapple with that or their communities or frankly it would be very fascinating to be a sociologist this year or Uh an epidemiologist or lots of ologists but it would be really interesting to learn what the patterns have been but we or the things that we're going to learn about from this year but certainly our kids have had a lot going on we've all had a lot going on Mm-hmm. And, and I'm with you. I, I definitely don't homeschool during summer anymore, but I'm a self-directed learning family anyways. At this point, probably about a month ago, I was done with homeschool. Yeah. 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 And I think it seems to be April is the month, right? Where you go, I normally is. Yeah, it actually, for me, I'm very seasonal homeschool affective mood disorder. Like I've got this like whole thing where I'm full on gung ho in September by January, I'm getting kind of blue, kind of like, okay, I'm good. And then I do a lot of documentaries. And then by March, I'm like, ah, okay, can we lose a few things? And then by April, I'm done. But this yeah. year, I'm unschooling, I should say that I'm a formally unschooling in April. But b- this year was solidly a month before that even. And everybody has had a really heavy year, even if we haven't had, you know, illness and death. Uh, we've had 1 million other possibilities because everybody's mm-hmm. been affected by all of this. So mm-hmm. journaling definitely an effective approach to manage that you know, the anxiety related to this year, or all Mm -hmm. the big feelings related to this year. But I am Mm -hmm. really thrilled to meet you and all the different things that you have to offer homeschool moms, the creative online course, Mm -hmm. and the journaling self care course, and your book on journaling. And now you've got two anthologies. And sounds like you're just, you know, you need to fit in a few more things in your day. You know, I'm I'm fitting in a lot more self care time is what I'm fitting in. Perfect. I'm fitting yeah. in two, two walks a day, and I'm doing my own journaling this summer. I've got my patio kind of. I've got a picnic table out there, and I can't wait to like open up my own journal and have some fun swimming in the ocean because I'm I'm taking a real mindful couple months off, you know, before something else hits us. <laughs> yes. Ever the optimist. Yes. I feel yeah. When people say we're going back to normal. I'm like normal. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, my son said something about COVID-19. Um, he said, it's like a balloon that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but there's no, there's no pop. And I just was like, wow, for him to articulate that, you know, just kind of randomly, out of the blue, I said, that is, that is so true. You know, so we have to be aware that we have to have a valve. We have to have our valves, right. Where we can, we can uh, let some of that air out. And that is exactly what we're talking about, like journaling or learning to reframe our feelings or those mindful moments or all the self-care practices that aren't an option on a normal homeschool year. They're definitely not an option this year. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell me, is there any other piece of advice that you'd like to leave with um, for all the homeschool moms? Mm, Treat yourself more. I would say you've done an amazing, amazing job this year. My heart is with all of you. And, you know, um, music helps a great deal, I find, you know, during this time. Uh, there's a great song called Sunday Best. I don't know who it's by, but if you Google it, it's a great song to dance to. And to really um, just be kind to yourself. 
You know, we, we all deserve um, to be treated tenderly, I think, during this time and have an ice cream on me. Okay, great. We'll send you the bill. <laughs> we have a fabulous gelato shop in town. <laughs> right. <laughs> to get to know you just a little bit more in a different way, I have three questions. One, sure. what have you learned alongside your child this week or a memory that you've created together this week? Good question. Let me think. We had a great, uh, a great day yesterday where my husband has started um, doing pastel drawings and it was my husband's birthday yesterday and a great, he, he did this drawing of this face, kind of like a clown face. So my son, uh, I got some licorice from the store and my son decorated the cake in the same style oh. as my husband's drawing. He, he did that. I just said, I can't do it. And he said, oh, I can do that. That's easy. And he did the whole thing himself. So the most exciting part to me about homeschooling is mm-hmm. really watching your child progress. They show you these little nuggets of who they are and mm-hmm. then it keeps growing. And then you see them using it in the adult world. And it's, it, it's a marvel to me that when you are able to facilitate who they really are, that they grow up to do that. So it's so exciting to see those moments. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's on your bookshelf these days. Uh, my own book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Show me. Just the two of us. My own book is thing on my bookshelf right now. What I have is. And what is your vision word these days? Is it perseverance? Is it surrender, as you said? Or do you have a focus word or a vision word? I do. I pick one for the year. I'm one of those people. And, and this year, my theme for this year is disrupt to uplift. And part of that is to make sure that I'm aware of when folks might be being treated badly through racism or discrimination because of the Black Lives Matter, but but also to just be aware that if I disrupt something, I want it to be out of kindness and tenderness to uplift rather than being hurtful or cruel. Yeah. And what a year to capture that vision word. It's been, it's been challenging a few times, but I have done it again. I really think it's like if, if we can have boundaries, but with kindness, yes, but firmness, knowing that the reason my motivation and the way I'm speaking is to uplift someone or something, right. Takes that mindful, you got to figure out what you're going to say. You got to go, I do anyway. It's like I almost write out a script of like, how do I approach this? How would I like to receive this? When you're not full, fully amygdala activated. <laughs> yeah, like the reaction, right? Right. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you and connecting with you online. Thank you for joining me today. I'd love to be able to see you in person in Nelson and come, come for a visit. And a hug. (laughs) And a hug. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining me today. I would love to learn more about who you are, so come on over to our Facebook group, the Homeschool Mama Support Group, or the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Instagram page, so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out the book of homeschool encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care. Nurturing the Nurturer. If you're a homeschool mama looking for extra support, ask me about the Homeschool Mama Retreat. 
All the show notes and links of this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and post a review because when you do, you help other homeschool mamas learn more about how to take care of themselves to nurture the nurturer. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And if you're having one of those days, I hope you can reframe your challenges into your homeschool charms.